Amen. Well, my name is Dave Chafee. I am a pastor with Agents for Christ Ministries. I'm out of Calvary Chapel, Southeast Portland, Oregon. I was a pastor there for eight years. Um, but um, over the last three years, I've been back with Agents for Christ full-time as a missionary, um, as the director of the 10th Hour Project. 10th Hour Project, some of you guys don't know, is an eight-month discipleship program for young adults. It's a mission training program. Um, as you know, the enemy is ripping off young people these days. Um, with all kinds of different types of worldviews. You can pick up any tablet or phone and find a worldview. You can find something to believe in other than Christ, which is, would be untrue, right? We don't live in a world that is relative. We live in a world that is truthful, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. We know that two plus two is four every day. It, does, it doesn't matter if you decide it is or that I decide it's not. It just is, right? And the same is with, with God. He made this world, and, and his, his truth is the truth. And so we've been teaching them um, just how to defend the faith. Um, they, they spend two and a half months in, in training in evangelism, apologetics, um, theology, and other you know, biblical curriculum. And all the while, we go out every day and share the gospel, well, at least every Saturday. We have a, a Saturday market in Las Cruces, New Mexico, where we're based. And it's year-round, which is amazing. Um, perfect for uh, getting out there every, every week and just engaging the culture with a conversation about Jesus Christ, with a conversation about truth, with a conversation about hope, peace, love, joy. Where do these things come from? Do you have them? And the only way that you're truly going to have them in an, eternal, in an eternal way is to know Christ as your Savior. Amen? And so we do that for two months, and then we take a tour to the East Coast for three weeks. This is, this is where we're at now in Term 4. We're on the East Coast tour, obviously. And then we're going to go back to campus for a few weeks and head to the West Coast. And all that time, we're just engaging with anywhere we can. We stop at a gas station, we pray. As soon as I hit the brakes and we're going to pump the gas, Lord, who is it that needs to hear about you today? right here, right now, and we're intentional about it. And I would, I would challenge you to be intentional about le when you leave your front door, you're in the mission field. God has a mission for you. We are all in full-time ministry. Do you claim the name of Jesus? Are you, are you saved? Are you redeemed? Then you have a ministry. You have a sphere of influence that I don't have. And we say at 10th hour, whether you're going to be a plumber or a pastor, your life is on mission. Amen? And so this is what we try to get ingrained in them and rooted in them, that they have a mission no matter what they're going to end up doing after the 10th Hour Project. So after we do a couple tours, we come back. These guys will head to Uganda, Africa for three months. Um, Brennan mentioned uh, Bill James. He's the director over there at Uganda Kids Project. Um, and that, mi that mission has just blown up. It's been, it's been incredible to watch. We actually started with two tents, just Walmart tents on a hill. We got some property over there, and Bill... He's crazy. He's just like, I'm just going over there, and we'll see what God does. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm just going to trust the Lord's going to build a mission. And sure enough, God supplied what we needed over there and what, be, what was just a couple little tents with, you know, the Ugandans saying crazy Mzungus, which is a white person, just like, those people are nuts. And we came and said, look, the Lord desires to show you his great love and his great mercy, and we're here to partner with you in that and just to love on you. And they saw just what God did and just how he built a mission center. And then he built a school. And we have over 300 kids in our school now over there. And then he built a medical center. And now we're building a high school. 
And we employ over 40 Ugandans there at Uganda Kids Project, teachers, and we have um, farms there with, where people have jobs, and just cool what God's doing, and just exciting. But over the last three years, 10th Hour Project has joined that, and so it's just a perfect fit for, for these young people to get um, a context of serving Jesus in the States, right, because we're on mission everywhere, but also in a different context um, in Uganda. So it's been, it's been amazing, and uh, thank you guys for partnering with us in that. We would pray that you continue to pray for us. Um, well, today I wanted to share a message. Um, the Lord's just been stirring in my heart about repentance. Um, and so the message title is The Beauty of Repentance. And um, I think that it's overlooked in a lot of our culture today. We preach a gospel without repentance, which is no gospel at all. Um, if you don't repent, um, you don't have salvation. And so um, I wanted to just talk to you about that. I, I was talking to a brother a few weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, he's going through all these struggles, but he just doesn't want to, you know, get right. He just doesn't want to confess to God. I'm like, well, that, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, you just, how long, you know, he's, I just, I got thick headed. Well, man, stop. Stop, dude, just repent, you know? And it was like, yeah, I just want to try to do it on my own all the time. It doesn't work, guys. You know that, right? I know firsthand. Like, you try to do it on your own. Man, you fall flat on your face. But it's beautiful to be able to repent, right? In Luke 10, you have the story of Mary and Martha. And, you know, you can repent from uh, murder, right, or any other heinous crime. But you can repent of a bad attitude. I mean, both are sin to God. And God desires you to to turn from it. But in, in Luke 10, you see Mary and Martha. And, of course, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's just listening to every word. He, she's hanging on every word. And Martha's over there. Man, we got to get stuff going. And we got to get things done, right? And she gets mad. She goes to Jesus. And is like, man, Mary needs to get up and start moving. Jesus, what? And, of course, Jesus, he, what does he say? He says, no, Mary's doing the right thing. She's spending time with me. And that's the most important thing. So there's a subtle rebuke, right? But he allowed her the grace to repent of that attitude, um, showing her, look, she's doing the right thing, and you should too as well. So you had that contrast of busy versus contemplative. Um, But in that, God gives her the grace to repent. I think sometimes we have the wrong idea of repentance. Uh, Sometimes people, especially in the world, they'll feel like that's a prison. Um, if, I have, if I have to repent, that means I'm going to quit doing everything that's fun in my life, right? All the things that I think are exciting and, and joyful, joyful um, in worldly terms, um, I'm going to not be able to do that anymore, and that's just gonna, I'm just going to be bummed out. But actually, it's such the opposite. Repentance brings true joy and peace and, and just fellowship with God and fellowship with others in your life. And so maybe you might think of repentance. Have you ever seen those people outside of maybe concerts or something? They got the, the signs with fire on them, you know, turn or burn. And you guys, people wearing sandwich boards, you know, repent or die. Um, and they have all these, you know, images on them. And, and you think of, man, these people are really angry. I don't want to be like them, <laughs> right? Uh, but that's not the true picture of repentance. What they're saying is actually true, right? You will perish if you don't repent. But you're also going to miss out on what life is really all about, is the joy of being reconciled to God, that beautiful relationship that God offers us. And so God wants to bring us to a place of repentance. It's a beautiful place. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God gives us the gift of eternal life through repentance, by grace, through faith, in what Jesus has done on, on the cross for us. 
It's a gift. So what is repentance? Webster says to feel sorry, self-reproach, or contrite for past conduct, regret, or be conscience-stricken about a past action or attitude, um, to feel s- such sorrow for sin or fault as to be disposed to change one's life for the better, to be penitent, right? And that's, that's just changing the direction you're going. They call it a 180, you know, and a lot of times I t- when I'm out on the street sharing the gospel, I'll tell people, look, I was walking Dave's way for a long time, and things were getting worse. <laughs> the more I walked Dave's way, the worse it was. But when Jesus gave me the grace to turn around, I did. I turned around and said, Lord, what do you want? Where do you want me to go? And I did that 180, and it was the greatest day of my life. Amen? The greatest day that God offers you that. So it's recognizing that you're wrong and God is right and turning from your way and accepting his way. I pray you've done that already in your life unto salvation, but it's a continual process. I think about in Revelation, it talks about when the bowls of wrath are being poured out on the world and people still won't repent. I'm just thinking, man, why? Why would you not? And it's, it says that they're, they're crying out for the rocks to fall on them, the mountains to fall on them, rather than just turn from, from their sin and say, Lord, save me. Man, may our attitudes not be that way. You know, let, don't let pride get in the way. So there's, there's repentance to salvation, but there's also repentance for believers as well. This is a repentance to right relationship with God. Sometimes even when walking with God, we're not right with him, right? We start living our own way. We start to drift. We start to float. We start to get attitude problems. Maybe we start getting dabbling in addictions, and we have to get right with God. And he desires to make us right with him. He's waiting for us to do that. In the book of 1 John, we see the, um, the contrast between believers and non-believers. And they are eye-opening. Things like righteousness versus lawlessness. You have light versus darkness. And then you have truth versus lies. And so I want to dive into uh, 1 John today. So if, if you want to open your Bibles today, you can turn to 1 John. It's toward the back of the book. And we're going to get into um, 1 John chapter 1. A uh, little bit of a background on the, on the book of 1 John. Scholars believe it was written around uh, 100 AD um, and most likely written to the Ephesian church. We know that Paul also wrote a letter to the Ephesian church, right? One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Ephesians. I challenge you to read it. I camp out in um, Ephesians 1 and 2 a lot just to know who I am in Christ because the devil will try to lie to me a lot, and I, and I trust what Jesus says about me, not what he says. But throughout the book, John is giving us a clear picture of a true Christian versus those who had infiltrated the church with false doctrine. And so I want to look at a few verses in chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 6. And it says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, that is God, and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Man, that's a heavy passage, isn't it? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Thank you, Lord, that your word is an anchor. 
And we can float all around in this world until we get into your word and we know where we're going and we know what to do. Thank you for the instruction in it. Thank you for the life-giving words that it has. Thank you for the supernatural power of your word, Lord, to convict us, to change us, and to bring us into right relationship with you. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful, God, for your forgiveness, for your love, and for right standing with you because of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in verse 6, it says, If we claim we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Now, John begins here with talking about fellowship. Now, you could say friendship, a deep loving connection that is proven by how we live. In other words, how we spend our time being real with God or being transparent with God. Think about it. Think about if you're in a relationship, a friendship, or even being married. Um, if you're not, if you're lying and stealing and cheating uh, against your spouse, you don't have a real relationship, do you? You know. And if you're you're walking in 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 a opposition to your spouse, that's not a relationship. But if you're being transparent, you're being open. You're saying, "Here I am. These are my struggles. Let's pray together." Right? There's that. There's that right relationship, and things are good. And the same is with God. You know, a lot of times um, I meet a lot of people who say, oh, I'm right with God, and I'll talk to them about the Lord, and they go, well, I said the sinner's prayer when I was eight. Oh, yeah, do you go to church? No. Do you read the Word of God? No. Do you fellowship in any way? No. So how do you have a relationship with God if you never talk to Him, you know? How do you have a relationship with God if you, if you never communicate with him? And I use, I use an analogy of, a, of a, a wedding day. Maybe one day you go up to the, the altar and, you know, you're so in love. You get married. You have your, your wedding night and it's beautiful. Next day you wake up and your spouse is gone. And you're like, where'd they go? And then suddenly you see, okay, the car is gone. Their clothes are gone. You start seeing some receipts. Maybe they're traveling. You're going, what in the world happened? And they just left. Your heart's broken. And maybe 10 years later, you get a knock on the door and they, you open the door and they just come walking in, sit on the couch, put, you know, pick up the remote, and start eating some chips. Hey, babe, how's it going? What would you think? You would think, what in the world are you doing here? <laughs> right? Where were you? Where'd you go? You know, the Bible says that Jesus will one day say, depart from me, I never knew you. That gives me goosebumps, man. That gives me chills to think that people are deceived into thinking they know God when he doesn't know them. God desires a relationship with us. He loves us and wants to walk with us. Why wouldn't we come to him? Sin and all, bring it. <laughs> Leave it at the cross, and he's going to give you hope and peace. It's that deep, loving relationship. I like how John says here, he says, if we say, he includes himself in this group, if we say we're without sin, listen, that's all of us. We can deceive ourselves and thinking, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm fine. Um, without searching our hearts for that little thing that's in the way of that relationship with God and getting rid of it. Many Christians say they are walking with Jesus, but their lifestyle speaks something else. Um, according to a recent poll, 65% of Americans say they're Christian. That blows my mind. If you ever turn on the news <laughs> and just watch a little bit of what, what's happening in this country, that doesn't show that 65% of the, the uh, population is Christian. I think maybe they're believing a false gospel. Maybe they're believing a gospel that's promoting of self rather than promoting of, of death to self and living for others and serving others, right? And picking up their cross and following him. 
We see something so different in our culture with the movies, the music, even our elected officials. There's something very different than a, a Christian culture here. And may God give us grace to repent and have revival. Amen? John writes, if we walk in darkness, we do not practice the truth. Now, you think about walking, right? Walk is to be in step with or a steady motion, a constant thing, a progression. You're going in a direction, right? It's a pattern. Um, If you walk or live in sin, but say you are walking with God, you're lying. (laughs) You know, it's just the truth. That's just not what God has for you. He has so much more, so much more for us. Many Christians are walking in darkness. Darkness is the, uh, the partial or total absence of light um, or nighttime, right? Complete darkness. You ever been in a room so dark you just can't find your way? Um, it's wickedness or evil. Listen to this. Unhappiness, distress, and gloom. They come from darkness, right? Hiding, secrecy or misery, just hiding things, putting on one face here, putting on another face here. You know, that was my brother-in-law, Bill, before he got saved. He was actually a, a narcotics officer, and he was, um, you know, busting drug dealers, and at the same time, he's doing the drugs that he's busting them for. And then he was even working in children's ministry. Total lie, right? Total darkness. Until he came to Christ, where he let it all go. At that point, he was like, you know what, Lord, take it all. He could have lost his job. He could have went to jail. He could have lost his marriage, his kids. And he said, Lord, it's worth it to come clean and to be free. And I pray that, that you'll restore all things to me. But, he, you know, he, to just have salvation is worth it. You know, sometimes repentance is going to cost you. But it's, it's so worth it. Amen. The Bible dictionary, dictionary says about darkness, um, ignorance respecting divine things and human duties and the accompanying ungodliness and immorality together with their constant misery in hell. Yikes, man. <laughs> I don't want it that. I don't want that in my life. Jesus talked about this in the book of John, um, chapter 3, 18 through 21. It says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does, everyone who does, hate, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. I mean, that's just the reality of it. You know, you run from the light when you're not wanting to be found out. You know, for years as a non-believer, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. My parents were alcoholics, brother drug dealer, you know, all that stuff started doing, just, you know, living out a, a wretched lifestyle at probably 10 years old. And I always thought of Christians like, I don't want to go in that. If I step into diet church, I'm going to just like turn into a flame. <laughs> I'm just going to blow up, you know, just how evil I was. And I was afraid, right? But man, what a contrast to say, no, Run to the light, and that's where you're going to find hope and peace and love and joy, and you're going to be cleansed. Man, the devil's lying to people. The proof is in the, in the product. The proof is in the walk and not the talk. People, say, people stay in darkness for different reasons, and I think there's two spectrums here, either pride or false humility. 
Um, one is I'm too proud, like, dude, I got it under control. Don't worry about it. I got this. Um, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I'm fine. Trust me, I'm good, right? And then you have the other perspective um, would be, I'm so dirty. I'm so, you know, I've done so much. I can never come to the light. I'm just so guilty. I'm just so, you know, and that's another. Both sides are lying. Both sides are untrue. Come to the cross and find the hope that you need in Jesus. He will always forgive you, always love you, always cleanse you. So John goes on to say, if we walk in darkness and say we are walking with him, we lie and do, and do not live out the truth. I think um, this is where we get the saying, uh, practice what you preach, right? You know, the number one cause of atheism in the world is those who claim to be Christ-like and then don't live it. That's what people turn to atheism. They're like, God can't be real. Look at, look at how these people live, right? But you know what? The, I found one of the best witnesses in my life is when I've blown it big time at work. You know, I'd be working a job, and I just blow it. I just do something stupid. And the Lord's like, Dave, you need to go tell them that you, you need to ask for forgiveness, and you need to repent of that in front of them. I'm like, they're not believers. They don't care. Just go do it, you know, and just go to people and go, you know what, man? I, I, I'm a Christian, and the way I was talking with you guys you know, I just need to repent. I'm so, I, I, need to cha- I need to tell you that I'm sorry for that. Why? It doesn't matter. We all talk like that. It's no big deal, Dave. It's like, it is a big deal to me because I'm a believer. And so I just need to ask you to forgive me. Man, that's huge in the world's eyes. You know, because we're so afraid of blowing it in front of the w- world. Listen, we, we will. <laughs> and we just go and say, look, man, I'm, I'm like you. I'm human. I failed, but I need you to forgive me. That's huge. It's a huge um, witness to people. So John gives us the proof test here in verse 7. It says, um, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, if we are walking with Jesus, it will show in our relationships with each other. Listen, um, I, I meet people all the time when we're street witnessing and ask them about fellowship, and they say, no, I don't go to church. I'm, oh, I'm saved, and I, I love God. Well, the Bible says that there's two great commandments, right? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And what's the second one? To love your neighbor as yourself. You're to love people. Oh, I just can't, I can't get with those people. It's like, man, I don't know if you're <laughs> reading the right Bible. <laughs> you know, you should desire to be with people. Look, I know we all get burned, but God gives us the opportunity to go back and make it right. There's too much church hopping in this, in this world, right? Oh, they burned me, I'm over here. Then they burned me and I'm over here. Maybe you'll look inside your own heart <laughs> and see what's going on, right? Go back and make it right with your brother. Even if it's difficult, even if it's difficult, God will give you the power to do that. Amen? If we are walking with Jesus, it will show in our relationships. Um, you know, I had a brother one time, we, um, we were on a mission trip, and we were just kind of bagging on each other, you know, capping on each other, and we're back, forth, and then it started to get a little harsher and a little harsher, you know, and so he was one-upping me, so... You know, I, I one up him, and then it was like, man, I man, I said some things that were not nice, <laughs> you know. And I went back to my room that night. I was praying, and the Lord was like, Dave, that was out of line, man. <laughs> that was out of line. And so I I had to go back to him and say, Hey, dude, you know, I'm sorry, you know, for the way I was talking. He goes, Oh, we were just messing around. I know you're just messing around. I go, Yeah, but what I said, it just wasn't right. And so I just need to tell you that I'm sorry and repent, you know. And he's cool. He shook my hand, hugged me. You know, he wasn't thinking it was that big of a deal, but. It was to make right relationship, right? Then the blood of Christ cleansed me from all unrighteousness, and I have right relationship with my brother. 
John goes on to say here, if, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You know, some people have come to Christ yet have not began to understand the love of God, that agape love that I love just because. Not because you're nice to me, not because you're good to me, or not because I'm going to get something. I just love you because Jesus does. Um, for his church, we need that love for his church. We're the bride of Christ. When we walk in repentance and recognize God's forgiveness, it will flow to our brothers and sisters. You will desire to make things right with other people when God has made you right. This is the natural byproduct of walking in the light. Look at what else it's taking place here in the rest of this verse. It says, And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Thank you, Lord. Here John reassures us that walking in the light brings cleansing. And I don't know about you, but you, sometimes you're just carrying that burden. You just don't want to let it go. Man, you feel so good when you do. <laughs> you finally just let it at the cross like, okay, I'm done carrying this thing. And listen, this is not about justification or being saved. I mean, obviously there's repentance unto salvation, which every person needs. But we need continual repentance in our lives for right relation, for purity, for that walk with Jesus, right? That's just him and I. I don't want anything between us. I don't want anything between me and the Lord. I like what uh, Spurgeon says. He says, does my walking in the light take away my sins? Not at all. I am as much a sinner in the light as I am in the darkness. If it were possible for me to be in the light without being washed in the blood, well, but we have fellowship with God. And does not having fellowship with God take away sin? Beloved, do not misunderstand me. No man can have fellowship with God unless sin be taken away. But his fellowship with God and his walking in the light does not take away his sin, not at all. The whole process of the removal of sin is here, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Aren't you glad about that? Man, have you felt that in your heart, in your mind, just that cleansing? Like, Lord, I know. Thank you for forgiveness. It's about sanctification. It's about restoration, right? Yes, you are saved. You don't have to get saved every Sunday. I know some kids are every, every, every year altar call. I got to go back again. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I messed it up. No, it's about right relationship with him. You're saved, you know, if you've put your trust in him. But it's keeping that relationship clean. How much of our sin is cleansed? All. How much does all mean? All. All. <laughs> All means all. Thank you, Lord. If we really believe it, we would approach God all the sooner. You know, some people think God's just waiting with a hammer. Sometimes we equate God as our father to our earthly father. Maybe our father wasn't great. My dad was not a great dad when I was a kid. He was an alcoholic. Praise God, he saved. He was 30 years in alcohol. God redeemed him, set him free, and we have a right relationship. And now he's my dad. <laughs> but, you know, I had to learn what a father is like because I didn't have a, a good father. Uh, but he is a good father. He's always waiting with open arms saying, come, son, come, daughter, and let me cleanse you. I pray you believe this. If we re re really believe it, we would approach all this sooner. Verse 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If you think you haven't sinned, then that, so th sorry, that thought itself is a sin. <laughs> if you think you've never sinned, that's a sin, <laughs> because you have. <laughs> Jesus took it to the heart, right? Even if you've, the Bible says if you even look with uh, lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So it's all about the heart. 
Um, you, can't, you can't come to God without admitting you're a sinner. This is the first step to right relationship with God, just saying, Lord, I know. I, I need cleansing. Often people will de- defe- deceive themselves. I've had people come to me for counseling and giving justification for sin um, from the Bible. Um, maybe a wife will say she left her husband because he's not loving her like Christ loved the church, and therefore this new man that she's living with um, is the right guy for her. <laughs> That's crazy. That's called adultery. That's not, you can't justify that. I'm sorry. Or maybe you have a guy, maybe a, a you know, a, a bank, a bank truck's rolling down the road and a bag of money falls out, says U.S. Bank on it. He's thinking, thank you, Lord, for the money you gave me. Hallelujah, Jesus. No, that's theft. You need to give it back. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we, we can deceive ourselves. We can, we can deceive ourselves into thinking many things. And a lot of people will say they've never sinned. I've met people out on the, on the street doing evangelism. No, I've never sinned. Really? Well, you just sinned because you lied to me. <laughs> But, you know, you can go through the Ten Commandments, and they're like, nope, never, nope, 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 never done none of that. Wow, so you should, are you the Savior of the world? <laughs> never sinned. We've all sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Praise God for His grace. Uh, um, they've deceived themselves. You know, many have deceived themselves thinking they don't need the forgiveness of God. Um, God wants the opposite from us. He wants confession. And it's a beautiful, great thing that he gives us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Oh, man. Have you had that happen in your life? I pray you have. And I pray you have that continually. John repeats the grace of God here. When we come into the light and walk in the light and our sin becomes exposed, we, we know as believers the beauty of repentance. Agreeing with God, confessing it, and knowing that Jesus' blood has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. All. All means all. There is that word all again. I pray that you get it. It's not like some formula that you have to keep doing it, keep doing You don't do ten Hail Marys and three Our Fathers. You just come to Jesus, and he cleanses you. This cleansing is based on his merit and not ours. He is faithful and righteous. Think about God's covenant with you. He made the covenant. You're just hanging on to him by by grace, right? Think about Israel. All the things they've done, and yet God still has a a plan for them, and he's going to open their eyes to the one they have pierced, and they're going to be saved, right? Why? Because God said he, he had a covenant with them. Hallelujah. His covenant with us. But it's based on his merit and not ours. He chose to forgive us because of what Jesus has done. And you can take that to the bank. David Guzik puts it this way. Our sins are not forgiven because we confess. If this were the case, if forgiveness for a sin could only come where there was confession, then we would all be damned because it would be impossible for us to confess every sin we ever commit. We are forgiven because our punishment was put on Jesus. We are cleansed by his blood. Thank you, Lord. It's all based on what he did. Man, we commit sins every day, and some of them we don't even know about until he brings them to mind, and then, man, I can confess and get rid of it. But you can commit sins of omission, right? Sins of commission, things you should do and you don't, and then things that you shouldn't do and you do. Praise God for his grace. We can't even know all the sin in our hearts, but yet it's been washed away. Confession is about uh, what God is convicting us about at the time. 
to bring us to restoration, to right relationship. You know, you get in that prayer closet with God, and you just say, Lord, search my heart. I just want to be right with you. And he might bring something to your mind. This was out of line earlier, Dave, this attitude that you had. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry, man. I, I, please forgive me. I do. I love you. I forgive you. You know, isn't that beautiful? And it's like the washing. It's the beauty that comes from that right relationship with God. Psalm 19, 12, he says, How can I know all the sin lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Psalm 32, 3, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all the day long. I've been there. Man, I've learned to just come right, just get rid of it, man. Uh, I don't want to be wasting away like that. When we have been caught up in sin, the enemy will try to keep us there, trying to tell us that we can't go back to God. That is a lie. You can come right now, any t- 24 hours a day. Your father is waiting for you to come, that he loves you and forgives you. Confession is a beautiful part of repentance. The other part is turning from it. T- Proverbs 28:13 it says, "People who conceal their sin will not prosper." But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. I love that. And you know what mercy is? Mercy is um, not getting what you deserve. Right? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. So not only does God forgive you and not give you hell, He gives you gifts and lavishes a kingdom on you. That should blow your mind. He gives us mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord. And that's why the whole next chapter is about obedience. Not only do we turn from sin, but we begin to obey God. Listen, I love to obey God because I know that if I follow me, if I follow my ideas, I'm going to be in trouble. Lord, please tell me what to do. <laughs> please don't let me mess this up. I just want to do what you want me to do. And that's obedience. Um, 1 John 2, 3 says, We know that we have, uh, we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, we love to keep his commandments. Doesn't mean we do it right every time, but we want to, right? The reason he brings them out is that he might remove them. He brings them to the surface so we can get rid of it and we can begin to learn to walk more like Jesus. He won't allow us to stay there because he's good. Isn't, aren't you glad about that? That God loves you so much, he's going to bring things out of your life so that he can rid them from you so that you can be better. And you can be a b- brighter light to the world around you, to the people that you love. He brings you there for, for your good. So whether you're um, too busy like Mar- Martha, maybe you just have a bad attitude, or maybe it's something deeper going on in your life, an addiction or a struggle, just believe God. You, wanna, you, wanna, you want you know, to change it? Just believe God. Because he says if you come to him, you'll be cleansed. Believe him. Confess it, turn from it, and believe that God, that he is faithful and righteous to forgive you. You guys know the story of, of David and Bathsheba. Um, and David was um, king, right? And he, he got a little bit lazy, so he's, he sent his, his, his mighty men out to fight a battle. And he thought, man, I'm just going to chill at home. You guys can go. I'm good. That was his first mistake, right? But then he's out on the palace looking around, sees Bathsheba, and he's like, she's pretty, you know, she's pretty nice. She's taking a bath. On, you know, on her patio and all of this. So he's entertaining the thought, right? And then it's like, well, invite her to the palace. And then we know what happens. David cheats with her on a good friend of his because she was married to one of his mighty men. So then he tries to hide it. 
because um, she gets pregnant. Um, and so he tries to bring her husband home so that he might sleep with her, so he might cover up his sin that way, right? Um, and so he, but he won't. You know, this guy won't sleep with his wife because he's on duty. He's like, I'm not doing that. He tries to get him drunk, all kind of, I mean, David's just like, boom, he's lining up. <laughs> the sins are just continuing, right? And so he won't sleep with his wife, so he sends him back out on the battlefield, puts him out in front so that he'll kill him. So, man, now he's committed murder, adultery, lied, cheating. He's got his men involved, correct? Because he's telling his men, look, make, put this dude out front and end his life. So now these people are accomplices. All of this stuff. Heavy. And then the prophet Nathan comes to him and exposes his sin, tells him a little story about sin, right? And there's a man that did so and so and so. And David, oh man, that guy deserves to die, right? And then Nathan goes, well, he's you. <laughs> it's like, boom, drop the truth bomb on him, right? But what did David do? You know, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. What did he do? He confessed it. He, he repented. He went before God. And, you know, he... Nathan said, look, the son that you've conceived with Bathsheba is going to die. He went before the Lord. He wept before the Lord. He repented, asked God to spare the baby. didn't happen, but he began to worship God. It says that he went. He wouldn't eat for a few days. He just was broken over his sin. But then he, it says that as he repented, he got up and he washed his face, you know, and he went to the temple and worshiped God. Um, yes, there was consequences, but he knew he was forgiven. He knew that he was cleansed and he had a right relationship with God. And God desires that for every one of us, that we come before him. And the Lord blessed him with another son, Solomon, right? The, the wisest man in the world. That God will restore your life if you, if you come to him. See, people may not forgive. Um, we may refuse to even believe that we are forgiven. But the truth is, if you come to Christ, God forgives repentant sinners. He does. And so you need to believe that for yourself and for others. God is always extending his hand to us. Amen. Take him, take his forgiveness, take his hand of forgiveness. He offers it to you every day. If you're not saved today, today can be the, the day that you receive that salvation in your heart. Or maybe you're just marred by sin in your life. Maybe it's just an attitude problem. You can repent of it. God loves you enough to, to give you that grace. And then it's his power that helps us change, right? When I got saved, man, I cussed like a sailor. It was just this outward thing. It was an outward expression of an inward problem. <laughs> but I, when I started reading the Bible, and the Bible said, you know, let no unclean thing flow out of your mouth, I was like, dude, I need to quit this. But I couldn't. So all I did is said, Lord, I, I don't want to be like this. Will you make me different? And he did. It was his power that changed me. It wasn't me. And that's the beauty we don't, you know, pull up our bootstraps like, okay, I'm really going to do it better this time, Lord. No, you're not. You're not. But he can in you and through you. Amen? So thankful for God's grace. But I just want to encourage you. Find God's grace um, in your life. Find his mercy in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your, for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Thank you that, you that repentance is a gift and a beautiful thing. We love you, God, and we give you the glory this morning. I pray for every soul in here that they might know. They might know that joy and that peace of like, this thing has been lifted from me. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, just let us walk in that and the beauty of that. Every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Here at CCNE, there are so many events happening throughout the week, so make sure you're subscribed to the weekly e-bulletin so you can be fully informed of all that we're doing. For more info, or if there are any prayer requests you'd like to share with us, be sure to visit us at ccnortheast.org.